Welcome to episode seven of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series. We've got Andrew Alinda back working on Cali to the Crowd, his YouTube channel. And when you start a business and you start to see some success, it is incredible how that inspires you to do more. What's challenging is getting to that first success. And in this episode, we catch Andrew off the back of his first YouTube income some success speaking to sponsors, and you will feel the positivity, happiness, and energy emitting from Andrew. And if you're listening to this, maybe it'll inspire you to take action to get to your next success. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome back to The Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series. We're on episode seven and I've got back with me Andrew Alinda. He's Cali to some kind of crowd or former crowd. There's some kind of crowd that's doing calisthenics. Welcome back, Andrew. How are you? Hey, Alan. That crowd does continue to get bigger. So, yeah, I don't know. What, what's bigger than a crowd? We, we might have to, to go bigger than crowd at some point. Whenever Cali to the people. Cali to the people. Cali to the world. Cali to the world. Cali to the globe. Cali universe. Yeah. You know what? Let's get the, them aliens involved. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Alan. I'm more than happy to be back. It's... It's always great to have a conversation with you and yeah, just chat about just business, calisthenics and everything in between. Excellent. And you're wearing your funky glasses, which uh, if you're listening to this podcast, Andrew's got some very dark glasses on, even though it's 8pm in the UK at the moment and the sun is not out. What's going on with the glasses? Tell us. I'm just one of those cool guys that wears shades indoors, Alan, (laughs) you know, got to avoid the paparazzi. Um, no, for real. They're these um, blue light blocking glasses that I've started wearing for the last month now to test how will it, it will improve my sleep off the back of um, one of your podcasts, actually. It was Tanessa Shears, wasn't it? She was episode exactly. 12 about entrepreneurial energy. Exactly. Yes. And one thing I've always struggled with is protecting my sleep. Whenever I feel overwhelmed, the first thing to go is the sleep. I, I notice it all the time whenever I'm quote unquote busy, because half the time it's not even stuff I'm busy with. I'm just stressing about things that I haven't organized yes. yet. But the sleep is the first thing to go. So I've started taking steps over the last month to protect my sleep, invested in some blackout curtains. Again, largely off the back of that podcast that I listened to. And yeah, these these blue light blocking glasses, I don't think I don't think they're going to be the single biggest thing that will change your life, but they do seem to help. I've been monitoring it on my Fitbit and yeah, my sleep quality has drastically improved. So what kind of improvement you have? Have you been measuring the hours, the depth? Yeah. So again, off the back of that conversation, I've, I've been digging deeper into the data on my Fitbit. The one thing I've noticed is that by removing the screen time an hour before sleep, and sticking on these blue blocking glasses about two, sometimes three hours before sleep. The speed at which I get to sleep has drastically shortened. So I'm not lying in bed, just lying there. I'm getting to sleep faster, which means actually 
she actually mentioned something in that like deep sleep happens closer to the beginning of the night and REM sleep happens towards the end. And I'm actually noticing that I'm getting more deep sleep because I'm falling asleep. Quicker. Exactly. Yeah. And the duration of the sleep, because I'm falling asleep faster, I'm waking up at the same time. My bedtime hasn't changed. It's just the quality of sleep has improved and I feel great. So Fantastic. I love this. So that we spent the last episode, episode six, talking about testing and measuring A-B testing in your business, testing what works, measuring the results. Uh, you've applied exactly the same thing to your sleep and it sounds like it's working. Yeah, 100%. I'll actually be sticking a video on this because sleep is really important in exercise as well. So I imagine by the time this podcast goes out, there'll be some sort of video on, I don't know, something. I'm, I'm not sure what I'll title it yet. Uh, I listened to a mad guy's podcast and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, emphasized the value of sleep and uh, I tried it out and it worked. So yeah, something to the effect of that sort of title. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, maybe what we should do is do another episode that's called Rebel Calisthenics as well, where I come to your back garden and you can embarrass me with how bad I am at this stuff. I would greatly enjoy that, Alan. I, I would love <laughs> I bet you would. just to get Alan Donegan in a handstand and just see what happens. I, I'd, I'd love that. <laughs> um, so look, I love that you're doing that. If you're listening to this podcast right now, go back and listen to episode 12 of season two with Tanessa Shears about entrepreneurial energy, your ability to have the energy to do things. Because what I've noticed, Andrew, is people say that they don't have enough time to do the side hustle of the business. But actually, it's rarely time because they finish work, they have some dinner, and then they've got time but they've got no energy left. So they just sit on the couch and watch television because they're out of energy. And actually the most scarce resource is energy, not time. So it's really fascinating when you look at it like that and you focus on having more energy to get more out of the hours rather than just going, oh, time's the only factor. I could never do this. And the sad part about that is you've actually given away your best energy to a company, an entity, the man, quote unquote. And I think. The sad thing is when you couple that with the data around how few people enjoy their jobs, you've got a whole lot of people giving their best time and energy to a cause that they don't feel passionate about. And then when it comes to their own time, they don't have the energy to put it into something that they are passionate about. I, f I find that quite tr tragic, actually. And especially when you think about the energy that the time at the end of the day is quite often the time you spend with your loved ones. And if we rewind two episodes, we were talking about one of your pieces of homework was to spend time and have a cheeky Nando's with your girlfriend. Have you found the time and the energy to give to her? I can absolutely confirm that we've been for many a cheeky Nando's. Our household <laughs> is cheekied up on Nando's. Yeah, we've had we've had quite a few. We went for one actually two days ago, like another one, almost Nando's out. But yeah, it's um. You know what? Finding that balance again has been really, really good. And do you know what? My business is still there. If anything, actually, it's ballooned. It's, well, we'll get, you know, I'm jumping ahead of the conversation. It's gone well. You know, taking my foot off the gas slightly hasn't caused Cali to the crowd to burn to the ground. As <laughs> let's be honest, it was never going to happen anyway. But yeah. So uh, I think there's a very interesting book here, which 
for everyone listening and for you, I'd love you to hear the main principle from the book. It's called The Happiness Advantage. And the main concept from the book is lots of people go to work and they work to gain money, to gain success, which they believe will lead to happiness. And they have to do all the stuff to get to happiness. But there's a bunch of people that are happy at the start and they know that the stuff, the promotions, the money, the other stuff won't make them happy. They're already happy and they're actually far more successful at work because they're happy already. And what it says is that success won't lead to happiness. Actually, being happy leads to success. Because if you're happy and full of energy, how are you going to come across in your videos? Are people going to want to work with you? Are people going to want to support you? Are they attracted to being around you? So actually, happiness is the thing to work on before success, rather than working on success to get to happiness. That is really true, because I think... It's like that hedonic treadmill as well, right? You're always after the next thing. In my world, it's like, I thought, oh yeah, once I get to 100 subscribers, you know, I'll be over the moon. Oh, you know what? 100 subscribers, that, that, that's great. But you know, once I get to 1,000 subscribers, you know what, that'll be, that'll be great. Once I get to 100,000 views, that'll be good. Once I get to 3,000 subscribers, and before you know it, you're like, you get diminishing marginal returns from each subsequent quote unquote step. and if you aren't aware of what is actually making you happy, what what do you actually enjoy about what you're doing? Okay, I enjoy talking to people about fitness. I enjoy helping people out. I enjoy that I'm building a community of people that are actively helping each other. I've got that. Like, with my small little channel, I have that already. So what more do I need? You know, everything in addition to that is just kind of icing on the cake. So yeah, the approach that you, you have off the back of that is probably going to be different to the person that's only after the next big thing. Well, actually, you always realize it doesn't matter where you get to, there's another level. And like, I've done okay, Andrew. I've reached financial independence. Like I've built a business that is transforming the way entrepreneurship is taught. I've done it with my business partner, Simon, who I love. There's Henry and Jack. We've got a wonderful team. Like I've done okay. And then I was sat at this event called Chautauqua. And I remember being sat outside chatting to this guy, Bill, we're having a really good chat. And his business at the time had hit 50 million turnover in a year. And I looked at him and said, like, I'm not even in your ballpark. I'm not even in the same league as you. Like, this is phenomenal what you've achieved. And then we both sat there and looked up as this guy walked past who'd taken his company public and had something like 5,000 team members in his business and we both looked at each other going, neither of us are in his league. Like, we're not even in the game. And I think that can be very daunting and very exciting, depending on how you look at it, because there is always another level. And I don't care where you've got to. There's always more to explore. And I think my mum always said, only boring people get bored. And like, there's so much to explore. There's always yeah. another level. But equally, then you go, well, if there's always another level, how can I ever reach happiness and success? And the answer is you can't. You will never reach happiness. Happiness is a state that's within you. And I think we've got to stop striving for happiness. We've got to work to become happy. Once we've become happy, it's incredible how the world changes around you 
and reacts differently to you. Because if you're just there emanating happiness, energy, fun, like you just, that's you, people are going to want to be around you. They're going to want to watch your videos. They're going to want to hang out with you. They're going to want to listen to you. You just have a nicer life and opportunity comes to you from working on happiness, which I guess leads to the question, how do you work on happiness first? And it's actually realizing that the doing of the thing is what makes you happy. Like you said, talking to people about fitness, doing the fitness, that's what makes you happy. For me, you asked me before the podcast started, like, Alan, why are you giving me your time? Why are you doing this with me? And well, it makes me happy. Your success makes me happy. Seeing you go, like the last episode was about your first $100 from your YouTube channel. Like, woohoo! That's incredible. I get a buzz from that. I get a buzz from learning about business. I get a buzz from learning from Rob and from Matt about what they're doing with their channel and yours. I really enjoy it. And I think that comes across in the recording of the episodes. Like, I actually enjoy this. This is what I love doing. And then you just go out and do stuff and you make it happen. And the success comes from that. So I think it's a really fascinating subject. I don't know how we ended up here, but <laughs> this is the core of what it really is. Yeah. The hedonic rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And again, I, I appreciate the time that you give me. I think it comes across as well, that authenticity and that, you know, I've just emailed this random guy that I heard on the podcast. He sounded cool. Hey, Alan, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a side hustle that I think... I could do with your help. And then Alan emails me back going, yeah, you know what? I'm thinking of doing a podcast series. Let's get you on. And I was like, great, you know? Let's be honest. It wasn't quite that simple, was it? Because, and to everyone listening to this, if I've never replied to your emails, I apologize. I get a <laughs> deluge of emails. There's a lot going on. I just can't keep up with the incoming stuff that comes into my world. But you stayed persistent, didn't you? I did actually. It's it's ironic because you're actually a case study of your own method for contacting people. You know, you, you say <laughs> that um it'll take a while to get through to people and half the time the reason people might not reply isn't because they're you know, they hate you or they don't like you. It's chances are it's because they've got a hundred and fifty million other things that they've got juggling on at the moment. Yeah, so I sent you an initial email, which to your credit you did reply with, you did reply to. But then I figured something had kind of happened in the meantime. To be fair, a worldwide pandemic did happen between those two emails. So <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. Thank you. And then, yeah, I think um, I emailed you again a couple months later, not expecting anything, if I'm honest. I, I kind of thought, okay, hey, Alan, you still there? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you responded with, let's get you on the podcast. Let's have a chat. Thanks for being persistent. And I was like, oh. So this stuff that he talks about in his podcast, actually, it, it works. Like emailing people and appealing to their better nature is, is actually a thing. And since I've employed the same strategy with many, many different other influential people, and it's, I've found it to be quite successful. So tell us about that, because one of your pieces of homework from a couple of episodes ago was outreach, finding influencers, finding people to work with, connecting what have you been up to on the outreach front, Andrew? Sure. So on the outreach front, so I think actually one of the one of those pieces of homework actually 
that the first learning was how much I actually thought that um, in the longer term picture, outreach wasn't what I wanted to base my soul, the, the core of my business on. I didn't want it to be based off of other companies paying me to promote their products. The idea being that it, it would feel like I was working for somebody else. You know, it wasn't my products. But that being said, there are certain brands that I, number one, already use in my videos. They're, you know, they exist in my videos. I don't mention them directly, but they're products that I use on a daily basis and they sometimes, you know, slide into my videos. And there are other products like that I just genuinely protein. enjoy. Exactly, yeah. Like my protein. Like, uh, say, for example, the weight vest that I use is from a very well-known company called Gravity. So I reached out to some of these companies. I'll be honest, not many of them have replied to me. Not, not many That's of normal. them That's normal. Exactly. And I think your feedback was, you know what? Don't take that personally. Get on the phone, call some of these guys and see what happens. One of the companies that I, interestingly, had a really random bit of banterous back and forth with their head of marketing on LinkedIn <laughs> of all places, right? where they announced that they had a new website and I quickly, off, completely off the cuff, made a video where I basically, I recorded my laptop screen and made it look like I was, the, the company called Grenade, they sell protein bars. I made it look like I was taking a protein bar out of the screen and onto my desk. It was completely shoddy video editing. It it was horrible. But the the, the, the <laughs> fact of the matter is I did it and I captioned it I'm not sure if I should tell Grenade about this bug on their new website. And Ooh. their marketing manager saw that and had a complete panic attack meltdown before realizing that was a joke. So it caught their attention and they actually ended up sharing it on all of their platforms. So they shared it on their TikTok. This is like February last year, but nothing ever came of it. It, it kind of, I, I hoped that it would, I sent them my media pack afterwards Nothing ever came of it. So I kind of thought, okay, that's a dead horse. I'm going to stop beating it. And off the back of my conversation with you, I decided to reach out to them again. And they passed me to their head of social, where we, again, had a really great conversation. And that's led to me agreeing to a partnership with them. The, the actual details of that partnership are still yet to be hashed out. But the fact that I've got a shoe in the door, that they're open to having a chat with me, again, a company that I absolutely love, it's starting to feel real. It's starting to feel like a real business on so many different fronts. And I think that's just a testament to this continuous, you know what, sometimes you'll email people, sometimes they won't get back to you. Sometimes they really won't get back to you. And then, <laughs> and then you know what, one day after, after, if you're persistent long enough, eventually people will, will notice you. And like you said, they're not ignoring you because they don't like you. They're just ignoring you because like, think about all the stuff you have to do in your working day. These people have those same problems. And then on top of it, they're not just receiving emails from their boss and their colleagues. They're receiving emails from other branded people like yourself. You just have to make sure that you're worth the time for them to invest in you. I also think it's about playing the long game. And if you're building a YouTube channel and you don't really care, you're going to make these videos anyway. 
like you're just doing it anyway and you do a video with their stuff in it gets retweeted and shared but nothing happens and the next year you do something else and the next year you do something else so like you'll be doing these videos anyway and if you play it like that and you play it like it's the long game and it's the companies you love and it's the people you support and you do it like that you can't actually fail <laughs> to get in front of them at some stage and chat to them it probably won't happen straight away but if you think about it the long game like you'll still be making videos in a year's time and still having fun because you've learned to love it and if we don't get them now we will get them next month and if we don't yeah. get them next month we will get them the month after like it's just playing the long game yeah 100% i think i think that's the sort of idea like like i said i had a conversation with um the, this company and some of the things that they were telling me was that you know, you have somebody that's, you know, starts up an Instagram account and expects free products the next day. Yeah. And I'm on the phone with these people and they're literally just walking me through because I, I, I wanted to ask them, I was like, just out of interest, what was it about my email that made you be okay with us even having this conversation? What a great question. Congratulations for asking that. Tell us the answer. And they literally fed back. They said, um, number one, you were funny. I think that initial video... Like, it couldn't have not caught their attention. I basically plastered on LinkedIn that there could have been a bug on their brand new website that they were all shouting <laughs> about. So, yeah, their the, the head of marketing had a laugh about it. And do you know what's funny? The stories that they tell me, that they told me about the sort of people that reach out to them, if you do a set of really basic things correct, like, re I'm talking about extremely basic things. So, like, spelling in an email spelling their name correctly, just writing an email in just decent English in terms of coming across in a way that makes you sound professional. In my head, those are things that everyone can, can write an email. If you put the time and effort in, anyone can write an email. But these were people that sometimes would, would get messages from people that, like I said, had started an Instagram account the day before, had no posts yet. And I was saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of starting this Instagram can you send me some free products so I can review it? Why? <laughs> Why would you? Which makes you then empathize with them and say, you know what, when you've got a hundred emails like that, they're not going to notice the one legit one straight away. You know? It takes time to break through and to stand exactly. out. And if you can do those simple things really well and be consistent with it, I'm not saying email them every day, but you know, if over a long period of time you can be consistent. And do you know what's funny? The media pack that I sent them the first time, if they look at that media pack and they look at my latest one and they put hold both of them together, the numbers are extremely different. Yeah, it's a world apart. Exactly, yeah. The first time I contacted them, I had something, say, like 300 subscribers. And I think I was knocking on the door of maybe about a 1,000 views a month. Now I've got 3,000 subscribers and knocking at the door of like 2,000 views a day. It's a very different story to then come to them. And, and then actually, they can actually feel part of that growth, even though they haven't done anything yet. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's nice to see that payoff, that persistence payoff. I love that. So the outreach is bringing, bringing in some success stories for you to work with. Yes, 100%. And to be clear, like these will be both paid opportunities and exposure opportunities that makes it sound like i'm going to be taking pictures naked i promise it's not well whatever gets you subscribers andrew like <laughs> you do what you need to nowadays i'm not sure the youtube partnership program would like that 
<laughs> you know what? It might work on a thumbnail. But um, <laughs> no, in, in in honesty, like I said, just to be working with companies that I've loved, actually to see what goes on, just getting on the phone and talking to the people that work for a company that you really love. And just, again, just seeing that they're, they're just ordinary people. So how did you feel making the cold call? Did you make the cold call or did you organise it? I organised it, yeah. It wasn't It wasn't a completely cold call because I had a warm lead off the back of that initial conversation when they wanted my video uh, to share on their platforms. This is one of those times where I think if I could do it all over again, I'd go back to the time when I initially got them to share that video and I'd cold call then. I'd have cold yes. called way back when rather than leaving it a couple of months and then emailing and saying, hey oh, guys. Remember me? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> remember that, that that video that one time that got a few <laughs> LOLs on, Insta- uh, on LinkedIn? Yeah, are you guys open for any partnership opportunities? And uh, yeah, if I was to do it all over again, I'd have been a little bit more brazen with my approach. So have you been doing any of that recently? Have you been actually ringing companies, getting out there and talking to them? I have, I have. So one company I initially reached out to by email, they didn't respond. So then I called them and their response was, was positive. It's optimistic. They basically responded in terms of like viewership and reach. I'm a little bit too small for the sort of people that they typically work with, but they liked what I do. And it didn't, you know, it didn't sound like they were just saying that. They gave actual examples of videos that they liked and things in the video, which made me think, you know what? These guys have actually, they've actually watched some of my content. And they said, you know what? In a couple of months time, maybe when you're a bit bigger, reach out again and we could consider doing something, even if, you know, you might not be over that threshold that they typically work with. And I said, that's excellent. You know, um, I'd, I'd be well up for that. And again, that's from a phone call. Again, with a brand that I absolutely love and I've been using for nearly a decade. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. And then all you've got to do is listen to the feedback, listen to the numbers. And I hope you've made a note. At the time I had the call, I was this many subscribers and this much watch. And then in three months time, when you go back saying, look, I know you said at this point, here's what I've done since. Here's what I've been focusing on. I think I've made progress. I'd still love to work with you. I think your brand's amazing uh, and you can go back. And I think that that is playing the long game because you've made friends and now you have a warm door and they might say the same again. They might say, come back in six months. You're not quite there. And sometimes they do that and that's okay, but you're making the progress. Yeah, 100%. And it's like you said, I'm going to be here in a year's time. I'm going to still be making videos in the end, in a year's time what is a five-minute phone call conversation? It can only end positive. The worst thing that happens is either, well, I mean, the worst thing that happens is they don't answer. But the worst thing that could happen is that the best thing that could happen is they notice you, they see how professional you are, they see how hardworking you are, they see where you've taken your side hustle or your business from the last time you contacted them, which I'd actually advise for you to drop into any conversation you have in there. Hey, by the way, the last time I spoke to you, I had this sort of reach. Now I have this sort of reach. I've loved your brand for ages. Do you want to work together? You know, these sort of conversations, they're real people. They're also real people with real jobs and real business goals as well. 
if you can appeal to that side of it as well and show how you can make them look good in their jobs, then that's only going to be even better. That's the key bit you've struck on there is most people, when they're reaching out to organizations, are asking for something rather than focusing on what they can give. And that is the key piece of any of these conversations is what can you give? How can you make the person look better? What are their goals? What are they aiming to do? And then even if you can get to this, my favorite saying is behind every corporate goal is a personal goal. So if the corporate goal is to get to X number of sales, that means they'll get promoted. That means they will get a rise. That means they will get these things. If the corporate goal is to uh, get exposure, that means they will get a bigger team. They will get this. And behind every corporate goal is a personal goal. And if you can help them achieve their goals, they're going to love you for it. I mean, if people ring up me and say, I want to come on your podcast because it'll help me promote my book, that's all about them. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I've never read your book. I don't know who you are. I don't care. If people reach out to me and say, Alan, I think I've got a story that will help your audience. I'm now like, okay, that's more interesting. Tell me about it. But do you know what? Probably 5% of the emails that come through saying, can I be on your show? Actually say, I think I've got something value for your audience, or I think I can help you do this. Or even I've listened to an episode, probably 20% of them are venture capitalists who want to offer money to startups. I'm like, have you not even listened to the podcast? Yeah, they clearly haven't. There's a minor (laughs) rant for you about that. But if you are reaching out, so if you're listening to this, and you're going to reach out to a business, you're going to cold outreach, however it is on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, doesn't matter. If you're cold reaching out, then the key is to focus on what you can give. Like, don't forget to ask for what you want too. But at the start, it's focusing on what you can give and what you know about the company and how you can help them. That's going to get their attention. Like you want to stand out from all the other people who are just saying, give me free samples. Focus on what you can give and how you can hope to help them. Um, so I love this. The outreach seems to be going well. Is there anything that we can do to help you on that? I think for now, I'm, I'm really happy with how that's progressing. To have, like I'd say, in the fitness world, there are about five, six, seven brands that I am diehard loyal to. I've reached out to all seven of them persistently. And to have two of them contact me back, or to have had actual phone calls with two of them is huge for me. You, Alan, would know how hard it is to sometimes get FaceTime with people in any company, let alone, you know, companies that are quite sizable. And I'm over the moon with that. And if I I know that if I keep going, then that too could grow to all seven, you know? And if, if I could have those seven as a core suite of brands that I continuously work with, it wouldn't feel like I'm managing a client. It would feel like, it's like you said, I'm doing this anyway. These brands feature in my videos anyway. I love these brands. I've been using them for years. It would just feel like I'm working with companies I absolutely love. So yeah, I'm happy with how it's going and I'm going to keep being persistent because I mean, it seems to be working so far. (laughs) So I love that. There were two other pieces of homework, which we can talk about, or you can take the conversation in a completely different direction. One was the mailing list stuff and two was the t-shirt companies. We've not sort of gone over those. 
or it might be something else that's completely on your mind. So where would you like this episode to head? Let's take the t-shirt company because there's a grey cloud but also a silver lining as part of that. So just as a reminder for anyone listening, when we last spoke about this particular piece, it came off the back of me wanting to see what the appetite would be like for selling t-shirts on my website. So Cali to the Crowd t-shirts. Very simple, Cali to the Crowd logo on it. Yeah, and seeing how people would like that. I bought a set of t-shirts, three t-shirts from three separate companies. On one of them, the t-shirt was way too expensive for it to ever make sense. The quality was okay, but for the money, you'd have expected something better. On two of them, the the quality was actually quite bad. It was it was really bad. So when we last spoke, I spoke to you, Alan, and your feedback was get on the phone to these companies, explain to them what you wanted to be doing, explain to them the vision you have for these t-shirts. This isn't just a random t-shirt that you've just printed. You have a business behind it. You're trying to make build a community. These t-shirts will be part of building that. What can they do to help me? One of the brands. Absolutely terrible. I got on the phone. They made a whole bunch of promises. They never fulfilled the promises. It was really bad. But the other one, it was, they've turned me into a super fan. Mm. I got on the phone with this guy. His name was Klaus from Germany. Klaus was amazing. He got me to open up my laptop, open up Adobe Illustrator, walked me through step by step on how typically this, he was like, hey, do you have time? Let's go through it now. I was like, okay. Walked me through <laughs> what the Illustrator file, the settings could be like, why the print might not have come out correctly. And then Klaus, he basically came along and was like, okay, so now would you say you're comfortable? Do you think you could comfortably do that again? And I was like, I think so. I was like, okay, I am going to send you another t-shirt. You send me this Illustrator file and I will send you for free another t-shirt. And he sent wow. me another t-shirt. It arrived today. Here it oh. For you guys, you're on the podcast, so you, you can't see that. But that sound is a sound of T-shirt packaging. <laughs> show me. At least show me. Come on. So that's that's it. Oh, it's got the logo. I love it. It's got the logo. Nice um, black tea. So I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with the, the service. I'm happy that I spoke to somebody. I'm happy that, you know what, they seem like a brand that I'd be happy to work with in the future. There's a big butt. That was a silver lining. Here's the cloud. I wanted to see what the appetite would be for just generally people buying stuff online because setting up an online store is quite time consuming. And it's also, it can potentially be expensive if you're buying all the security features. And, you know, here's the part where I think Alan's going to tell me there's a cheap way to do this, but <laughs> I'll, I'll deliver the message first and then I'll, I'll wait for Alan's feedback. I decided to do a bit of a mini experiment. There are a few products that I use across my, uh, uh, like I said, I've mentioned them in my videos from time to time. And on three videos in particular, I've dropped Amazon affiliate links into those videos in the description. Mm. And across those three videos, those videos have about maybe about 15,000 views combined. And I wanted to see what general engagement would be for those videos specifically, but then also in terms of, well, just, just how many people were then watching those videos and then clicking on those links and then buying those products. 
it turns out like across all of those, considering all of those views, I've had 10 clicks and only three purchases, which made me wonder <laughs> from a value perspective, is this where I want to be putting my time? When I think about my time on the business, so actually on developing the business, is that where I wanted to be putting my time and effort? And it didn't seem to weigh up. It's like, I've, I've found a supplier. I've got a t-shirt now that I'm relatively happy with. Well, I am very happy with the t-shirt. There's just like the logistics side of it. So shipping around the world, that would have a little bit of a complication, but I'm in the process of dealing with that with them. But in terms of actually the infrastructure of putting this on a website, putting this in a place where I could then sell it, would this be where I wanted to put my time and effort? And for 10 clicks from 15,000 views, it didn't feel like the right place for me. And I wanted to hear your thoughts, Alan. <laughs> okay. There's many thoughts because you've, you've spoken about a lot of things. Yeah. Number one, setting up an online shop does not have to be expensive. Like you're saying it does, it doesn't. You could easily put that T-shirt on, get your lovely girlfriend to take some photos of you in it, put up a PayPal button on a one-page free website, that's it, and see if anyone buys it. Do a mini experiment, and then you can buy them off Klaus one by one to get them through when they actually do it. Second thought is quite often these T-shirt companies actually offer you the ability to like sell the T-shirt direct on their site they handle everything, shipping, the whole lot, processing, but you only get a small percentage of the profits, which when you're doing a mini experiment, that's fine. For the first couple, like just do it. Who cares if you get five bucks a time, if you get two bucks a time, if you get one pound a time, it's a start. It's better than nothing. And people are wearing your t-shirt, which let's be honest, you are creating walking billboards of your product <laughs> Like people are paying you to promote your business. That's not bad. I'd be doing it for free. Like if it didn't take me any time and it was all done through a website, like what's the downside? And if I made two pounds a time on a t-shirt, great. So like, just so everyone knows, we won't mention the bad company, but so everyone knows the good company, who is this good t-shirt manufacturer? Who does Klaus work for? Well, he deserves a shout out for that kind of customer service. Yeah, Klaus definitely deserves a shout out. It's, uh, it's called Spreadshirt. Spreadshirt. So yeah, Spreadshirt. Do Spreadshirt offer that kind of service? Spreadshirtusa.com. Uh, I thought that was in Germany. I might be wrong. Yeah, they're definitely, well, this has been sent from Germany, from Leipzig, to be specific. That's where I was in Germany, in Leipzig. I could have even met Klaus. Ah, Maybe we hung out whilst I was outreach. there. <laughs> but quite often, these places allow you to create a store. Oh, they seem to use Spreadshirt Print on Demand is on Shopify. Yeah, I thought uh, so. So it seems like you can build it on Shopify, which is a paid-for service. But I'd be having a look to see if they can integrate into other things if you can do it directly on their site, give Klaus a ring and ask him how it works because he's been so amazing. And you should definitely send him pictures, do an Instagram shout out, like do some promotion for them because they have really looked after you. They like have. Give them some stuff back and then ring him. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that as an action. Yeah. Get on their radar, show what I, almost like a teaser of what I want to do with this and then get on the phone with them and see whether they could do like, I don't know, fulfillments or, you know, um, sell via them directly 
yeah, as you said, a mini experiment. So like that was t-shirts. And like I said, I'm, I'm really happy with how that went because when you suggested it, I won't lie to you, Alad, I wasn't expecting even nearly that sort of service. Let's be honest. If you call a company, that's not service. That is not, that's not normal, you know? No. And the fact that he was willing to do that, I'm not sure if that's just class's personality type, but even if it is, the fact that the company allowed him to do it. I've worked in customer service before. You're usually measured on how quickly you can get the customer off the phone. And class seemed more than happy to chat to me and make sure that I, I was happy. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really uh, excited to work with them. So yeah, I'll definitely reach out to them and see if we, I can sell via their website. Perfect. Send them a photo of you in the shirt, link to them, do an Instagram post, like just do that stuff to make them feel proud as well, because they've worked with you and they'll then continue to work with you. The second thought I've got for you is actually on, you said about the conversion rate on the three affiliate links to Amazon products, and you had 15,000 views, 10 clicks and three purchases. So you probably made like £2.50 or something ridiculously small for all of that stuff. First things first, this is how it starts. Like you made your first $100 on the advertising. That's great. You've made your first money on affiliate links. That's great. It starts and then we improve. And you've been implying the test and measure mindset to all of the other things. But at the moment you've gone, that's not a good enough return. I'm going to kill all affiliate links. That seems like a very broad and generalized sweeping statement rather than a oh, actually, I made three sales. It's not huge, but that's better than nothing. What did I really do for this added in the links? And thinking about, okay, so I've got that to start with. Where can I go next with it? What's my next experiment? Like, what have I learned from these three videos? Where were the links within the videos or were they just in the description? What could I do differently to improve the next one and having a second go? And the first time you do something, you're never going to get the perfect results. The second time you do something, you might get worse results, but that still doesn't mean you should kill it. The third time you'll start to get it. The fourth time you really start to get it and it grows from there. And if you think about it at conversion rates, like as your channel is growing, 15,000 views isn't going to be a lot, Andrew. And if you can up those conversion rates and your growth of your channel is going that way anyway... This could turn into a nice second stream of income. And I know Matt and Rob use affiliate links. There's a friend of mine, Andrew McDonald. He was on the podcast in season one. He has a YouTube channel called Tech Team GB, and he has a decent sizable income from those affiliate links. And he's even started a side business that, you know, the links have to be to the UK store or to the US store. He started a side business that has a link that takes people to their home country store. So you can now have an active affiliate link that works for any country and he does that and it works really well for him and he's actually helping people to do that. So maybe what we should do is do an episode with him about how affiliate fees work, how to get them working in your videos and we should actually go and speak to someone. Why not? How much have you actually killed this off in your head versus do you actually want to explore it? I haven't killed it off. So the links still exist. It's more like I go into the tracker, say, for example, on the Amazon dashboard, and I look at the numbers, and then I look at my YouTube analytics. I, I just don't see, in, in my <laughs> head, I, I, I just don't see how that could ever, 
But it's like you said, people are doing it. So it must work somehow. What I imagine would probably happen is that he'd take a look at my video. You know, there's probably something about how I'm mentioning it in the video that might not be working. I'd be more than happy to have a conversation about maybe making an income of affiliates. I think the key thing I'd be interested in is like, I wouldn't want to then overload my videos with affiliates in the sense that the core reason why people are there are for fitness tutorials, which for the most part you can get for free. I remember the podcast with Andrew. A lot of it was, he was, remind me, Alan, he was reviewing tech products, right? Yeah, he's reviewing tech products. So it's specifically that. But there's no reason why you can't do one in 20 videos that is a review of these products because your audience is interested in which protein bars you eat. How do you do your nutrition? How do you work? They're interested in that stuff. It doesn't have to be every video is X. Let's see, you've got a big subject. Yeah, it's quite broad. (laughs) Just a little bit broad. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I want you to think about this as a game. It's something you play with and something you work out. And I had a friend who built a website. It was about, well, he built this website. It was a blog. He started blogging. He had no idea how he's going to make money. And he tried different things. And then eventually one article that he wrote that had some affiliate links in was the one that clicked. And he's like, wow, that worked really quickly. And then he doubled down on that bit. What I think you've done is you've done one tiny experiment. You haven't kept testing and you just don't know which product, where it's going to work, how it's going to work. And you're talking about these companies you want to partner with. Some of them are going to want to have affiliate relationships rather than sponsorship relationships. And this is a skill that is actually very important to learn in nowadays business market is how to sell someone else's product. And actually, let's be honest, if you learn how to sell someone else's product, you can sell yours as well. So it's worth learning this skill anyway. And I would be, my advice to you is you've done one experiment. We've learned a little bit. It's not worked great. Let's keep testing. Yeah. It's like you said, I'm going to give it a go. It's not like I've stripped those links out. They're still there. If that opportunity to have a chat with Andrew is available, I'd be more than happy to pick his brain and see how and get his feedback much in the way that Matt and Rob have bestowed their wisdom onto my YouTube channel. (laughs) Because it's like you said, people are able to do this and it doesn't take much effort on my side to mention a product that, again, I'm already using and, you know, drop a link and make a couple pence off of that mention. So yeah, I'd... If if that's the thing, then I'd be more than happy to try it out. Cool. I will organise that. The time has flown again. We're 53 minutes into the podcast. Tell me, what have you got out of this episode and where are you going to focus over the next couple of weeks until we're back again? Yeah, sure. So you're right. Time has flown. There's there's so much going on. There's so many moving parts. The The channel is literally growing legs before my eyes, which is great. I feel like I've gotten a better handle on juggling all the different moving parts. In terms of focus, from the last conversation we had with Rob and Matt, there was a whole load of bits that they gave me to focus on. I've started implementing some of them. So some of the bits around the thumbnail, um, trying to use less words, letting the image do more of the talking. In terms of focus, I want to double down on the elements of video quality that they mentioned. 
So again, the different camera angles, the more vlogging style videos, the better thumbnails, getting more people to the video because I've noticed that the click-through rate across my whole channel has stayed relatively the same, but the amount of returning visitors has slowly grown over time. So what I'm seeing mm. is that if somebody's going to watch one of my videos, chances are they will end up watching multiple of my videos. The unique YouTube shows you a whole load of stats and the, the amount of unique visitors coming to my channel and then what, how many videos each unique visitor watches is on average three videos. And if you look up on like, uh, there's a whole lot of like blogs that dig into YouTube stats. They're like analytics nerds. That's really my jam. And on average, the number of videos unique visitors watch is 1.3. So I'm more than doubling the number of people watching multiple videos on my channel. So I need to be doing more to get more people seeing the video. So again, just looking at the information that Rob and Matt have given me, I'm just going to work on some of those pieces. And the other thing I want to work on is I really want to cement this partnership with the brand that I spoke about earlier. I've got my foot in the door. I've had really good conversations. Now I feel I'm in a place where I want to start returning value. Having a nice conversation with them is great. But if you're going to be working with these brands, I already feel I've added value to the viewers of my channel. Now, how can I marry that value with value for the the business as well? Again, doing these sort of things, coming across that little bit more professional. I don't want it to be two, three weeks before they next hear from me again. What's the next step with this specific company? It's Grenade, isn't it? What's the next yep. step with Grenade? So they have actually sent me a care package. What's in this care package? Cool. I don't know. I should probably warn the postman before he gets a package called Grenade. Called Grenade. I, yeah. Might not be one for uh, the postman to deliver willingly. But yeah, um, I literally just want to do a very quick, maybe on Instagram or whatever, unboxing of whatever's in there. Yes, love that. Make it a little bit funny, making it a bit banterous. Their whole brand is quite raw, banterous, really funny. Doing something on brand, doing thing that something that's funny costs me nothing, means the world to them. You know, it's like I said, the people that they typically work with, I've got friends that work in PR. They talk to me about the sort of people that they work with on a day-to-day -day basis and they sound really difficult. If you can literally just be a decent person, reply to emails on time, meet on time when you've agreed to have a phone call, write an email and spell their name correctly. <laughs> These are the little things that just make you significantly better in their eyes. So yeah, I just want to double down on that really. So I would say that's great doing the unboxing video. Then we need to actually come up with a plan of what we're going to do next with them because there needs to be a next conversation that needs to lead to how could we possibly work together? What's the options? I get the feeling that that will then lead to send us a proposal of what you could do for us, which yeah. then you'll need to create something that says, here's how we could do it. Here's what it would cost. Here's some ideas. We need to make sure we go down that path and down that route and focus on that. So I think maybe even... The next action is do the unboxing and then go back to them and say, how can we work together? And then have that discussion of how do they work with influencers? How could you specifically work together? 
And what is the next step in getting this to be a proper influencer relationship? Yeah, 100%. I think I plan on using that bit of content almost like as a teaser to open up the door to the, that conversation. So then I can go to them and be like, hey, because they haven't asked me to do this. They haven't asked no. me to create content around this thing that they've sent me. But they've sent me something. It's cost them money to do it. I want to show that, you know what, like, <laughs> there is initiative being used here. You know, you don't have to tell me to do something. This working relationship is going to be very easy on their side because they don't have to say, hey, Andrew, can you do this, 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 and this? It's done. Andrew's already taken the initiative. It's done. He's been extremely professional about it. Oh, he's in my inbox. I wonder what he's got to say. Yeah, and then moving on from there, like you said, working and turning in this, this into a partnership. The real danger with this is this is what happens to lots of people we've worked with, is they do all the nice things for the company and then they never ask the question, how can we turn this into a relationship? What do I do to become a paid influencer? They never ask the questions and actually ask for what they want. So you need to make sure we need to do that. And like, do the unboxing, do the video, and then come back to me and let's have a chat how through, like, let's go through that exact sponsorship conversation and work through it together. Maybe even have the first chat where you say, how do we work together? And then come back to me and we'll put the thing together. Because like most companies say, okay, you want to have a relationship with us, write down what you could offer then you've got to write a proposal, we've got to go through it, it becomes a different thing. It's not necessarily how it goes, but in my instance, that's mostly, they put the onus on you to come to them with a plan. So do the unboxing, have the phone call, and then let's see what we can do. And I'd love to unpack that with you and help you to write that. I more than appreciate the help. Cheers, Alan. Excellent. Okay, so we've got those pieces of work. I think we've got a huge amount for you to get on with. I feel like you're in a good place and we're just cracking on and heading down it. And I think it's in a lovely position where you're just trying, testing, growing, testing, trying, testing, growing, testing. And every week things are working. Like not everything's going to work, but we're making progress. Yeah, for sure. And the funny thing about trying and testing lots of different things simultaneously is that when something doesn't work, it's kind of okay because if you're testing five different things and one of them works, you can now double down on that. The other four things are now things Never that mind you can retest another time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, once you see success, it's it's hard not to get really giddy about it. It really is. And then keep piling in. Yeah. Do more, do more. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and then on top of that, when when you're getting paid for it as well, it's yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Andrew, thank you for being on the podcast. If you're listening to this, go check out Andrew's YouTube channel, Cali to the Crowd. Have a look at the videos. Tell us what you think. Get engaged. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And secondly, my closing thought to all of you listening is actually based on the principle of happiness first. And I would like to say to you, If you feel like you are banging your head against a brick wall, if you feel like you're not going anywhere, if you feel like you're crushed by some of this stuff, take a step back and work on your happiness. Listen to a song that lifts you through the roof in the morning. Uh, Make yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and sit outside. Look at the sunshine. Talk to someone you love. Stay in bed for 15 minutes longer for an extra hug. Like, 
work on your happiness first, because if you are 20% happier, if you're shining from the inside, if you're just glowing, people are going to be going, what's going on with you? Why are you so happy? I like it. Don't change it. Let me hang out with you. Let me talk to you. And if you can become happy first, that's actually one of the better and more sustainable routes to long-term success. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Go out there and be happy. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.